Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host, Sean, and with us once again is our special guest and my special brother, Brian. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back once again. Thanks for joining us. And okay, just once, so, again, once again, I'm not uh, dead. well wishes uh, well, and get well soon to Dave Palace. Okay, Sean, I'm who not in the hospital. Won't be with us today, but I'm sure we'll be back with us very soon. And what Dave is missing out on is Minute 14. Uh, And Minute 14, Phil, once again, is trying to pick up on Rita. And then we get the official report from our other Phil. And we find out if we're going to get an early spring. Yes. Another interesting minute that builds on Phil's journey and seeing (laughs) – how self-absorbed he is. Yes. So uh, Phil's journey and and Phil's journey. That's right. Uh, Phil the groundhog. And we get, you know, we get more of Phil Connors kind of off air um, quips as they were. We get some chatter. We get, and we get some of the worst um, ADR, some of the worst dubbed dialogue that, uh, that we've seen. And I'm not I'm not usually a stickler. Usually if it's close, I'll go with it. I'm fine. But there is no way that groundhog is making those chirping sounds we hear. <laughs> that's that's dubbed in. That's some other animal or something else. I just I'm not buying it. You're I don't you know might about be you. right. You might be right. <laughs> I might be right. Or this could um, be the Tom Cruise of groundhogs. We don't know. It could be his sounds. It could be, you know, maybe he's a um, like a ventriloquist groundhog because it doesn't even look like his mouth is moving. Like they didn't even bother doing the Mister Ed trick where they put some peanut butter or something. <laughs> like his his face is completely still. He's probably paralyzed with fear. You know, these strange guys. They knock on his door. They drag him out, and then just yeah, the squeak, 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 the squeaking. Yes. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't buy it. Um, oh, so I'll jump in. I, I, I was going to mention this yesterday and I forgot, but this may be a, a better time to do it, uh, to jump back and talk a little bit about the original script, uh, the Danny Rubin, his first draft script. And so he went through, he knew there was such a thing as Groundhog Day and he knew there was this place called Punxsutawney PA that they've got a groundhog that they drag out once a year. And that's all he knew. He didn't know anything about the actual ceremony. And in the first draft, he had written it that it was like natural. Like they go into the woods and they wait for uh, the groundhog to climb out of his um, climb out of his hole, but they don't know exactly when it's going to happen because it's just kind of natural. Hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so then eventually, as they were developing the film, 
Um, I think I don't know if Ramis went. I know Danny Rubin did go to Punxsutawney. They did attend an actual ceremony, and they see, oh no, it's all it's all staged. They drag the groundhog out. They know exactly what's going to happen because one of the things one of the things they had he had in the script was uh, Phil Connor knew exactly when the groundhog was going to climb out of his hole. And everyone was like, how did he know? Whereas as we see, well, everyone knows when it's going to happen because they drag the poor thing out. They don't, right. they don't wait. They don't give him a chance. Um, so I think it, that was a good update, a good update to the, to the script. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think they did. They did a really good job, and I've uh, there. There are quite a number of changes, and particularly because um, they he hadn't visited Punxsutawney, you know, when he wrote the first draft. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of corrections that they made for accuracy, but even even the other stuff they just changed for style. I think uh, I think it shows the importance of of collaboration and teamwork. There's a lot of good stuff from that first version from Danny Rubin. There's a lot of good stuff from Harold Ramis. Um, that that he put in, and eventually they're they're um, they have they share credit for writing the screenplay. It's like based on the original story by Danny Rubin, but the final screenplay by Rubin and Ramis, and it shows the mm-hmm. importance of of working together. That they bro- both bring things to table to uh, to make a great movie. Yes, definitely. And so we get. Uh, so so while the groundhog, while Phil the groundhog is chattering, we get a close up of, um, is he? He's the mayor. I should probably know this. Brian Doyle Murray. Uh, I get that. Is he the mayor? That is a good question. I mean, uh, he's oh, he's credited as Buster. It just says Buster. Hmm. It seems like he's uh, he seems bigger than just the groundhog thing. I don't know yes. where I got the idea that he was the mayor, um, but yeah. No, so he's just so anyway. So Buster is leaning in. He's he's lending his ear to this groundhog to hear, and our creepy gentleman is right behind Phil. That's right, and as you can see, if you go to uh, second the thirteen seconds in, it, it just looks like a serial killer. He he's yeah. He's thinking, I'm going to serve up this groundhog, you know, this groundhog with like some fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. The, 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 the one note I have um, is that when he smiles, he smiles like a guy who's handing out candy from his windowless van. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would probably be accurate. And I, I'm sure I, I, I believe if I'm, if I'm reading the credits correctly, um, this is this is Rod Sell is the actor, and he's simply credited mm-hmm. as Groundhog Official, and and I'm sure he's a nice man. I'm sure he does not hand out candy from a windowless van in real life, but I think no, it has windows. Yeah, it has, no, it has windows. I but I feel like the way he's playing this particular Groundhog Official, it's just that guy creeps me out. Yes, it it is right. creepy. It's, so it's it's not just me. Well, then if you jump ahead, um, I don't want to jump around too much, but um, going ahead to around second forty two, when Buster's making his proclamation, so Buster's up at the mic and he's saying, "Oh, sorry, folks, six more weeks of winter." 
uh, spoiler alert, he sees the shadow. Um, and then to off to the side is our animal handler holding the groundhog. And again, right behind those two gentlemen is just the creepiest groundhog official I've ever seen with that grin. It's just like, oh, yes. that's nothing good is happening. You don't want to you don't want to be alone with someone who's grinning at you like that. It's kind of scary. It, it, right. That is it is very creepy. Right. Um, but OK, so then uh, so jumping back before I jump ahead, they uh, Buster okay. pulls out a scroll and I have some issues with this. Okay, what what are the issues? We, we don't see we don't see the front of the scroll, but we can kind of it's a little bit translucent. We can see the writing and it looks like calligraphy. It looks like very fancy, probably done with a quill pen, a big feather, uh with with an ink pot. This calligraphered message, this scroll that Buster is reading. When did they have time to write this out? I mean, it's just been mere seconds. Like it's been 20 seconds since the beginning of this minute that the groundhog has actually spoken. Mm -hmm. And somehow in the last 20 seconds, someone wrote out because they don't know what he's going to say. I mean, they know the date, but they don't know the, the, how do they know the exact time? And you can say, well, maybe they planned it down to the second. So they know the time, but they don't know what he's going to say till he says it. That is true, but perhaps there's two scrolls, one oh. for the shadow, one without the shadow. There you go. That's ah, that's why you're here. <laughs> I didn't think of that. I thought I had him. I'm like, aha, there's no way they could have written out a scroll that quickly. But yeah, they've got – so you think they've got two scrolls, one shadow, one no shadow, and they just pull out exactly. whichever one. And then they pull out whichever one they need. Ah, oh, Yeah. Uh, see, I didn't even think of that. You're so smart. There you go. There you okay. Go. <laughs> Two scrolls. All right. That, then you know what? Then the movie's perfect. That's the that was like I thought <laughs> I had him. That was like the one slip up I thought I had, but no, you explain it away. So um all right. So so Buster, he pulls out the 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 shadow scroll. He says, This February 2nd at 720 and 30 seconds, punks to Tony Phil. The seer of seers, prognosticator of prognosticators, emerged reluctantly but alertly in Punks and Toddy PA and stated in Groundhog Ease, I definitely see a shadow. And I have issues with this. And I have I have long had issues okay. with this method of predicting the weather. If he sees his shadow, that means the sun is shining. If the sun is shining, doesn't that mean better weather? And shouldn't that mean an early spring? And so no shadow means it's dark or it's overcast. And no shadow means six weeks of winter. It always seemed backwards to me. Am, am I crazy? I do agree with you. Yep, I agree with you. It is you don't have to agree with me just because it's my podcast. No, no, I'm not. I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> I mean, I can always edit it out and make it sound like right. you do agree with me. That That is that is true. Not a way to determine when spring is coming. Yeah. So I, I just did. I love the movie. I have issues with this method of, of forecasting. Mm -hmm. um, not that, not that what we've seen from Phil Connor is much better. I guess, I guess the lesson is just don't trust any, any forecaster named Phil. None of them, none of them. Are good. <laughs> good tip. 
Yeah. And um, so Buster reads out the proclamation. The crowd uh, moans and boos. Oh, no. Six more weeks of winter as if they didn't know that was going to happen. And we get um, – well, we get a couple things. We you know we go back to Phil Connor for the wrap-up. And he does – once again, it seems like he's doing Rita's job, not giving her a chance. He does the countdown, three, two, one. Again, with the on me, <laughs> all about me, always me with this Phil guy. Uh, so two things. He, he counts down and the last finger for one – in the countdown is the middle finger. Yes, which I always I always laugh at that. It, I think that's hilarious. I do find it to be very that funny. That is funny. I gotta admit. That is that is that is funny. But then he's well, we it, it gets cut off. We only get the first part, but we get, you know, this is this is one time where television really fails to capture the true excitement of a squirrel predicting the weather. And it's like, and it, you know, we almost saw it like that first, that introduction was like for that, for those 20 or 30 seconds, he was taking his job seriously. He was doing his job. He was, he was acting. He was at least pretending to have some, not enjoyment, but like some tolerance of the ceremony. And that's like, that's it. He can only work 30 seconds a Mm -hmm. day. And now he's done. He can't even pretend to have any enjoyment or have any interest in what's going on here. And it, you know, it disappoints me. I'm I'm disappointed in Phil. Right. You wanted him to be at least involved and have this forecast with a little, uh, I don't even know the word, but just, just well, at more least, pizzazz. At least the degree of professionalism that he had in the opening, you know, in the, in the introduction. Um, I mean, again, it's, it's the guy does not work that many hours a day. I'm, I'm not thinking just on a regular basis. I realize this, he's on the road, he's away from home for a day, but on a regular basis, the weather does not change. And certainly with the technology and forecasting that they had in 1993, things weren't changing minute to minute. So if he had to do the broadcast a few times a day, if they've got, you know, they've got the mornings, they do a lunchtime and then there's the six o'clock or the evening news. He's, he's, he's doing a couple of different broadcasts, but he's kind of doing the same thing every time. So, you know, you can keep it together right. and here it's, it's, it's over the course of, I mean, less than two minutes. We, we covered it yesterday. We're finishing up today and it, yeah. And he's not, and then, you know, Half of the time, it's the left. cameras on the groundhog. It's not even on him. It's not even like he's got to work a solid two minutes. He can't even make it to the end, mm-hmm. though. Well, but what what I see is knowing Phil, Phil Connors, even while the groundhog was taken out and they were going through the whole ceremony, Phil was probably standing there just, just seething that he was still there and that this is his life. He might not have even heard what was going on, other than the fact that winter uh, was get, was spring was yeah, getting. Yeah, he doesn't even coming late. Address the forecast. I, I I wonder if he went so far as he's got his little speech planned out, his little closing, 
Although I would think he, if he was planning, he would have planned something better than what he actually says. Like, so he, he doesn't even say like, there you go, folks, six more weeks of winter. He, he, what he said, he could say what he said. He could say either way, whether, whether the groundhog sees the shadow or not, he doesn't have two scrolls. Phil Connor doesn't have two scrolls prepared. He's just, well, it actually doesn't sound like he had anything prepared, which is like, you've done this four years in a row. All right. Maybe you didn't, maybe you weren't ready the first year by the second year. You've got to figure, oh, this is going to be a regular thing now. And then whatever you came up with the second year, you can reuse. People aren't going to remember a year later. See, I think he's just disgusted with, with his position here. He but what doesn't is he doing want to be there. It? He doesn't want to do the weather. <laughs> I think he's just disgusted. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I, I mean, I can't, I, well, that, you know, I, I won't question that. I can't put myself. Podcast. In another person's shoes. I mean, I can try to imagine what it would be like. I can't tell someone you should be happy because, you know, no one knows Phil's circumstances but Phil. No one knows what it's like to be Phil but Phil. But if he's not happy, you know, no one no one can make Phil happy. If he's not happy where mm-hmm. he is, now we did get the remark very early on. He, you know, he makes that remark, oh, there's a there's a major network interested in me. But from every, everything we see, from everything we hear, that that's just talk, that he isn't actually doing anything about it. There isn't really – he's not really reaching out to a major network. No one else is interested in him. He's not – you know, if you're going to be unhappy, okay, but then take it upon yourself to make an effort to figure out, okay, what would make me happy? Where should I go from here? And Phil's got nowhere to go. I mean that – in my opinion at least. Right. Yes. Yes. He, he, he is not doing anything about his unhappiness, which I think that's what makes these, this movie so great. I mean, that is the whole point of this beginning. This is why he's going to start to repeat the day. He's just, he's stuck and he'll be stuck literally in the next few minutes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. It's, it's kind of, it's one of those, you know, oh, you think you're stuck. You know, you thought you were stuck before. What happens when you're really stuck? You want to, you know, if you're going to complain about being right. stuck, I'll stick you. And when, when I stick you, you stay stuck. Right. See, he he will have the opportunity to change. He's going to be forced to, to fix it. Where most people, if they were in his position, uh, like you said, I mean, he's not doing anything about it. And if his day didn't repeat, yeah. Yeah. he would just continue to if live keep, like this. Yeah, if he keeps doing what he's been doing, he's going to keep getting what he's been getting. And you see all these people. So all these people are in similar circumstances, whether they're, there's probably some Punxsutawney locals, but you see there's other media, other people with cameras, other reporters. And for the most part, they're, they're smiling, they're enjoying it. And they're, they're all in the same position that Phil is. They're all, you know, they're all out in the cold. They're all hanging on the word of this marmot. You know, it's it's as ridiculous or as funny, or you know, it's it's the same for all of them. And why are they enjoying it, but he isn't? That's a good uh, question. Yeah. So why isn't why isn't Phil enjoying it? What, and that, what what is what is with Phil? What why is he so unhappy? <laughs> yeah, and that's um, and that's one thing we 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 don't get into. We don't get to see a lot of. 
fill outside of this. We do get that quick little introduction in the beginning, kind of set the stage, um, doing the weather report in the studio, and then we have the drive up in the van with Larry and Rita. We don't get to we don't. But other than that, we don't get a lot of background on Phil. We kind of have to piece it together from what we see, you know, what he does and what he says, and and what we see him just in this town. And I don't think we need anything really on him. I think we see everything. He is self-absorbed, doesn't seem to care about anybody but himself. And that's really all we need for this movie. That's all we need to see. Oh, this guy, he seems to have some issues. I don't think we would need background. I, I really think it would it would serve no purpose to the movie, at least, to show Phil in a bad in a worse job than this or yeah. in any kind of bad yeah. luck yeah and I, I i agree and i think of uh and i hope no one you know i don't want to put the idea out in the universe that someone would remake this movie because it's it's perfect it's great it doesn't need to be remade um but it makes me think of a remake that that was done and that's uh halloween mm-hmm and for the folks that aren't familiar, the original Halloween was a horror movie from the 70s. And some guy goes crazy and he escapes from, I think it was, I think it's a mental institution. In the beginning of the movie, he's been locked up. He escapes and he like kills his family, goes on a murdering rampage and just kills a lot of people. And it's a horror slasher film. And I think it, it the movie, if I remember correctly, the original in the 70s starts with kind of the news report, the crazy guys escaped. And it's it's on Halloween night, and that's why they call it Halloween. And it's just like, oh, my God, it's so scary. Like, the guy's just – the way Phil is just miserable, and we don't know why. This guy is just out killing people. We don't know why. And then – so that movie got remade – about, oh, maybe about 10 years ago at this point, some point in the 2000s. I, I, yes, I think so. I think uh, maybe a little less. Yeah. But uh, by Rob Zombie and, and Rob Zombie has, um, you know, no matter what you think about his music, pretty good movie maker, pretty good director. He's, he's got some good films under his belt, but he remakes Halloween and it's got this long preamble in the beginning where we see that the killer's name is Mike Myers. We see Mike Myers as a kid growing up and he's like, he's got older siblings that abuse him and he's got an unhappy child, you know, home life. And he's like picked on in school. Like we see how he grows up and why he becomes a serial killer and why he just wants to kill people. And it kind of ruined it for me. It was kind of like, it's scarier when you don't know why, where it's like, Oh, just some supernatural force out there that's killing people. That like once you get to know him and you're like, oh, I can, you know, oh, yeah, like society kind of was mean to him and he's just fighting back and he's kind of sympathetic. And like and not that you can't have sympathetic characters in movies, but like it's just not it was a different movie at that point. And like so if they remade this, which, again, they shouldn't do. But if they do it with this whole backstory that we start being sympathetic to Phil from the beginning. Yeah, it would it would be. Like just that's a different movie. That wouldn't be Groundhog. Yeah, that would be definitely a different movie. Yeah, I think it's great that they don't have any background on him, and I, like I said, I don't think well, it's you know necessary. What? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, so I'll get your opinion on this though. So, what if we go the other way? It would not more background, but even less. 
So again, uh, going back to that original screenplay by Danny Rubin, the first draft of this, it starts with, uh, it's Phil's already in the loop. So there's actually, there's, there's two main changes. One, it, from the very beginning, Phil is waking up in Punxsutawney. We don't get that introductory scene in the studio. We don't get the drive in the van with Rita and Larry. And the other difference is we get voiceover. We get a voiceover from Phil kind of explaining what he's doing. So we – and I'll, I'll, pro- I'll, I'll go back to this again because what was the first scene or the first couple scenes in the screenplay are still in the movie. They just happened later. The scene where he's he's just walking through the lobby of the bed and breakfast and he's being rude to Mrs. Lancaster. And then the um, – I think it's the third Groundhog Day, maybe the fourth, maybe the third repeat when Ned comes up to him and he just decks him. He just punches him right in the face. That's the first scene with Ned in the mm-hmm. screenplay. And there's a voiceover where, where Phil is saying – um, he doesn't come out right and say like what's going on, but he says, if you knew what I knew and you, if you had lived through this the way I have, you would understand why I'm hitting this guy. So, hmm. so what do you think about that? Not more, not more background, but even less where we get, we get no introduction at all. We just drop right in and we're already in that. The that is interesting. I think it's better that way than having more background on him but i don't know that would it it would all depend on how it's done uh what you just described it actually doesn't sound that bad but i don't think the impact of repeating the day would 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 hit as hard if you're just suddenly dropped in and then he's just voiceovering explaining kind of what's going on yeah yeah the the main thing that I thought was an issue was the voiceover, but it's kind of, so how do you explain it? And I think the way it happens is really, it works naturally the way it was done because we see the first day. And so when it repeats, we see the repeat and we're kind of with Phil like, all right, what's going on here? We figure it out with him. The problem with that, with the original screenplay is it wasn't it it doesn't just skip the first groundhog day it skips him figuring out what was going on cuz the first time it's like he's not sure am i dreaming now was i dreaming the first day he's not really sure so it it you know cuz we've got to fig- we've got to know what's going on the audience has to mm-hmm. the audience has to understand you know, kind of what's happening to to fell so to skip over and to skip over his process of figuring it out to get to the point where he knows I can hit this guy and nothing's going to happen because no he's it's going to happen tomorrow and he won't remember that I hit him. Um, yeah, see, I I think that way puts the movie almost into more of a sci-fi. Even I I think it would lose some of the philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think because then it's you're right into a you're you're dropped right into a loop, and it's not really yes the movie is about the 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 repeat the loop, but if they didn't have the beginning as we know it, I would feel like it would be almost a science fiction movie. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, and I, I so I think we need we need a little bit of Phil. We need like the first day because and 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 it it you know big part of it is. 
is the character arc, is the changes that Phil goes through and, and how his character and how his actions evolve. So it's good to have that starting point. Like, so this is kind of regular Phil the first day. And then we see all the change versus kind of coming in the middle. But I agree, like too little would have been better than too much. Yes. Yeah. Um, and again, that's something that um, credit credit goes to Ramus that there were a couple things there were there were there were a couple things that that Ramus promised Ruben that he wouldn't change, and he actually originally said, "I'm gonna have I'll have it start right in the middle of you know Phil will already be in the loop, and I'm not gonna change that." And then he did. He did change it. We got a little bit of an introduction, not much, just a day or so. Um, then the other thing was the the studio was pushing. They wanted an explanation. They actually uh, came up with a story that Phil had an ex-lover or an ex-girlfriend who worked at the TV station who put a spell on him. Because they hear this. This I know. Yeah. They wanted some explanation of why it was happening. And, Terrible idea. Yeah, and then and that and that was one thing. That was the other promise that Ramus kept. That's that that he kind of he yeah yeah the studio guys and I think they actually he said they wrote a scene, but I don't think they ever actually filmed it. Um, and I think that that would have definitely killed it to have an explanation because then then you're getting into science fiction of if there's some explanation or there's some mechanism by which it's happening, whereas it's perfect to just. It, it's enough that it's happening. There's no, there's no explanation. Right. Exactly. And now he see, well, I'm not sure in that script how he would have gotten out of it, but it, it this had almost, it, the, the universe had opened up and is replaying the day for some reason for Phil. If they have it where an ex-girlfriend uh, that worked at the studio, is that what it was? An ex-girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. If they have it where she casted a spell on him, it really takes away from Phil. It's almost, he gets off the hook almost. It's, it's, this was done to him where in this movie, he did this to himself. Exactly. That, yes, that's exactly the issue that it can't be something that's done to Phil. This is what Phil is doing to himself. Yes. There you go. Perfect. Yes. There, that that's, sums it up. <laughs> Perfect. I got nothing else to say. I can't. There's nothing. I got nothing else to add to that. That's. I mean, yeah, that's it. Phil is doing it to himself. All right. Right. Well. And I think that's uh, that. Pretty much ends this minute. Yeah. Um. I. Yeah. Well. I, that's. That's it. I don't know. Maybe we shut down the podcast. I don't know what else can we. <laughs> no. I'm right. pretty, Don't. Don't turn off your your MP3 players. Your your podcast apps. We're not ending the podcast now. We've got. Uh, 80 something minutes left to go. But I think that's something we'll have to keep in mind as we, as we go through the iterations of this day and the changes that Phil goes through that. Yeah, we'll have, we'll keep that in mind that this is everything. It's what Phil is doing to himself. Yeah. Yes. That is a good point. I'm glad you made it. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so, so thank you so much, Brian, for, for joining us. Thank you for your flexibility. I know you were, you were hoping um, and expecting to get to talk yeah. to Dave, and again, Dave sends his his regrets to you and and our audience. But uh, I have a feeling he will be back tomorrow. Um, but yeah, so um, so if folks have enjoyed your insight and, and your levity that you brought to this movie, um, 
what do you what do you do? Where can where can folks get in touch with you? Uh, well, I, I'm a real estate agent here in New Jersey, and if anybody wants to get a hold of me, look for some houses. Uh, you could reach me on Facebook at Brian German NJ. There you go. Yeah, Brian German with a G G E R M A N N J and N J as in New Jersey. That's right. So yeah, and, if, uh, yeah. If if you're yeah, looking for a house, looking for a house, want to talk some more Groundhog Day, you can reach me there. <laughs> yeah, so definitely look up look at Brian at at Brian German NJ on Facebook, and you can find us on Facebook as well. We are at Gobbler's Knob, which is the Groundhog Minute listeners group. We're also on Twitter um, at Groundhog Minute, and I don't think we've mentioned it for uh, for a few minutes, so I'll also let you know. Uh, you can find uh, Dave Palace if you if you're missing out and you're you're kind of going through withdrawal. You you need some Dave Palace in your life. Uh, you can find him on his other show, uh, Five Minutes of Mystery, and that's where he and and some guests talk about the movie Mystery Men, which is another great movie. And he talks about that five minutes at a time, so it's it's five minutes of mystery. And uh, coincidentally, I've got my own. A podcast. I was here today, but if you can't get enough, you can find me <laughs> at Five Minutes of Mime, which is also uh, also has a five in the name, which uh, complete coincidence. <laughs> and so that is it for us. Thank you for listening, and we will see you tomorrow, if there is one.